This is Back to Debbie, the only Debbie podcast brought to you by Camskin. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And this week, we are talking about last chance players. Players that were still, you know, like at least like 2, 10, 15% in on, not really. But players that have just lost value over the year. The sell window is mostly gone and but there are still some variables working in their direction. But ultimately, we are holding out hope for a bounce-back season. This is not a bounce-back episode, but we are talking about guys that have fallen off, and we're just they're just teetering on the edge of the cliff, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, before we get into the main portion of the show, we will be doing two player profiles for the 2023 NFL Draft. We are pretty lucky because we found some names that we didn't talk about, so we're pretty excited about that. <laughs> we, are, we are getting pretty thin on names to talk about. But first... Corey with the news. Yeah, so first we'll head over to Notre Dame, where running back Chris Tyree is trying his hand at slot wide receiver. Uh, they're just kind of looking for a way to get this guy on the field. I guess running back really wasn't working out for him. Didn't really get a lot of playing time last year. He's had to be looking a little bit uncomfortable down the field, uh, but is kind of looking good in short to intermediate areas. Still kind of wonder how much time he'll really get. Uh, and that kind of role with a guy like Styles, who's probably going to man the slot. But uh, I guess we'll see what kind of happens there. He's a guy I'm probably out on anyways. Uh, speaking of Styles, though, uh, Lorenzo Styles, he's been getting a lot of love uh, during this spring after kind of like a shaky 2022 season last year where we kind of had some hope for him. Um, and uh, another wide receiver there, freshman Rico Flores Jr. He's been mentioned quite a few times as the freshman wide receiver that's standing out the most. So I know a lot of us like uh, Greathouse, uh, Jane Greathouse over there. But yeah, Rico Flores has been standing out the most so far. Um, heading over to Georgia, we've got a, a few injuries to hit on first. First with freshman tight end Pierce Sperlin, who's broken his collarbone. And uh, stop me if you've heard this one before, but running back Kendall Milton is out for the spring again with another hamstring injury. Just a long line of soft injury, to, uh, soft tissue injuries for him. Another nagging one to add to the list. And with oh. him out, yeah, <laughs> with him out, with uh, Dejon Edwards also out, and Andrew Paul also out. Uh, still uh, limited with their injuries as well. We are going to be seeing a lot of Branson Robinson and a lot of freshman running back uh, Broderick Robinson this spring and possibly for the G-Days uh, spring game as well. So that'll be kind of interesting to watch there. And just another small note on the wideouts, uh, Rara Thomas and Dominic Lovett, the two transfers that came in, they're apparently sending out a lot in practice right now. Kind of like Rara Thomas is a little bit of a sleeper. Um, heading over to Nebraska, we're talking about um, tight end Eric Gilbert, who's been uh, impressing early, um, which has kind of become the theme for his for his career in the spring. Every year with him, he's always being talked up in the spring as a guy. He's also apparently up to 275 pounds after being listed around 255 last year. So uh, weight has always kind of been an issue for him throughout his career, but this is reportedly good weight for him. They're saying he looks like a beast out there for what it's worth. So hopefully He'll finally be able to put it together over here in Nebraska, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, quick note over at TCU, freshman wide receiver Cordell Russell, a, a top eight-ish wide receiver, I believe, for our recruiting team. Um, he's out the rest of the spring with a broken collarbone. We'll have to see how much that affects his early season availability. Um, heading over to Tennessee, more wide receiver news as wide receiver Brew McCoy is out for the spring as well. Uh, and new transfer wide receiver Dante Thornton is also limited. But an interesting note with him is he's apparently been running as the immediate backup to Squirrel White in the slot, which is kind of interesting given like the difference of players that is. So I don't know if that'll kind of lead to anything. Um, freshman quarterback Nico Yamaleva is apparently up to 210 pounds, which I'm not sure I believe entirely, but it seems like weight is a pretty strong point of emphasis with them. Uh, team is 
plan to get him to 215 to 220 by the season opener. That's coming from the team. That's the plan they have for him. So we'll see if that works out. That would do a lot for him after that slender build he kind of brought in. And then just touching on the running backs, Jabari Small is still out over there, um, giving a few more looks towards Cameron Selden. But he's also wearing a non-contact red jersey. Um, but he is still going through drills and whatnot. Still looking explosive out there. Um, heading over to Ohio State. University, where another freshman wide receiver is making um, headlines. This time, wide receiver Carnell Tate joins an elite group of freshmen that have shed their black stripe during the spring. Um, this is one of um, Ohio State's traditions that you know all freshmen have to head uh, have to shed their black stripe by doing uh, something on the field to kind of earn it. Um, other notables who have shed their stripe during the spring: uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Jackson Smith and Jigba, Travion Henderson, and Garrett Wilson. So. That is some elite company there for him right now. And in the quarterback battle, quick note there, Kyle McCord is kind of inching ahead a little bit. He had the stronger day in the scrimmage, um, just slightly. He seems to be the first guy um, in every drill as well. So um, he's kind of inching ahead there. And injury news, uh, wide receiver Keon Grays and Caleb Burton, two of last year's freshmen, they are both seen jogging off to the side and maybe out for the rest of the spring. Not a great look for that class um, with this class already pushing them. Um, heading over to South Carolina, quick note on their freshman quarterback, Lenore Sellers, that he came in more ready than they were originally expecting. Um, he's been getting a lot of love through camp. Uh, this is a kid with 6'3", 230-pound frame, reportedly runs in the 4.5 area. Maybe a guy to start giving some more attention to in this class, even from a Debbie angle, if he can kind of be the next guy um, to start for after Spencer Rattler leaves next year. Um, do, over to all. Sorry, I do want to give one note on Spencer Rattler. He does have elite QBs waiting behind him. One for one, hundred percent hit rate. So maybe maybe sellers overtakes and we know we got a stud. Oh man, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, he always somehow leads the next guy. So yeah, that, that could and be a analytics. nice little trend there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> analytics. You heard it here first. Um, heading over to Ole Miss. Uh, speaking of more quarterbacks again. Um, a lot of people were kind of wondering what was going on with quarterback uh, Spencer Sanders, who transferred over there, if he's going to take the job. He's apparently still recovering from a shoulder injury. He's been running as a quarterback three, so he's no threat right now. He's mostly just even running on running plays. Uh, Jackson Dart has been the clear lead in the room. Rocker Howard's getting a little bit of love, too. He's been running as the two. And another interesting note, wide receiver Chris Marshall there, a guy that we like, five-star kid who transferred over there. He's been playing only on the second and third team units, which is a little bit disappointing disappointing you know not concerned just yet um but definitely want to see him rise throughout the offseason last but not least heading over to where chris marshall came from over at texas a&m um with wide receiver evan stewart he sustained an ankle injury and he's going to be out for the remainder of the spring um if you guys want any more spring news if that wasn't enough for you be sure to keep it locked on the c2c podcast and youtube channels and check out our very own matt brooding as he keeps you up to date on his spring reports on youtube and uh, be sure to head over to campuscan.com. Become a member today if you aren't already. We've already rolled out the one-of-a-kind freshman supplemental guide, and we have the Debbie and CFF guides coming your way this offseason. There's loads of offseason content over there covering the draft and the spring, so get over there now and get the leg up on all your league minutes. All right, let's get into these 2023 profiles. Now, typically, Corey and I like to talk about, you know, once the top-end guys are going, we're trying to talk about who's ever getting hyped up this week on Twitter uh but i guess we kind of miss these two guys talking about them but <laughs> this feels like they talked about enough to it can be two lane running back Pajay spears five foot ten 201 pounds 229 rushing attempts for 1581 yards and 19 touchdowns in the receiving department you have 22 receptions for 256 yards and two touchdowns he already has two acl tears but uh 
he looked pretty good this last season, but that is a part of his medical history. So, you know, he's, he's one more away from just being done. I think I only give players two ACLs, Corey, personally. I only give him two. <laughs> just hanging so. on twine in those knees right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so senior bowl invite, uh, and I got to watch him firsthand. Um, and I, I've talked before more than once, probably, probably more than three times now that I thought the senior bowl hype was very, uh, just overblown. It's not a really good place to evaluate running backs. It's there's no hitting. Uh, most of the drills they run are kind of foot drills. The only real drills you can evaluate the players on are pass pro uh, and and their receiving work. And that's really kind of about it. Even during the, the 11 v 11 drills, it's not hitting. So uh, he got famous for that one play against uh, Dennis uh, Versaka, Versoca, linebacker from Pitt, where it was busted coverage. It wasn't busted coverage. I'm sorry. It wasn't. It wasn't busted coverage. He read the route correctly undercut the route for the interception hits the running back on his way in. So like this does everything right. And then Tajay just cuts it inside, goes upfield for the reception. The play took forever to, to even process and everyone's hyping him up on the internet when it's just against air at that point. So anyway, he's a fine running back. He dominated the G five and that's, that's all fine and dandy. Last week I listed off all the G five running backs that have been successful lately. And it's, it's none. The last one to get drafted during day two, the last three years, was Darrington Evans, who's not – I don't think he's actually on a roster right now. So it, it's very rare. I, I think these guys have to be elite, not just for one year. I think they have to be elite for, like, all the years. I mean, like, Kareem Hunt just killed it all three years. Rashad Penny killed it. Uh, Doug Martin killed it. Like, it was – it's not just one big flash in the pan. And he's not workhorse size. I know he's close enough, but he definitely profiles more as a a pass catching back. And, and no one's pass pro work at the Senior Bowl was good. Nobody – Roshan had a good day, but he was there for like one day. So I mean, you can't put much into that, but uh, he didn't look good in pass pro. So I, it's not really profile for that anyway. So he shouldn't be on, he shouldn't be on the field for any type of protection work. And as far as early down back stuff goes, he shouldn't do that either. And I know people think that he runs fantastic down the middle, but again, this is G5 competition. Tulane had a very decent team all the way across the board. Great coaches creating a lot of holes. All he had to do was hit that lane with speed, and then he was very deadly in the open area. And he's he's a good athlete, too. He's a good athlete. He's not great. He's a good athlete. So to, to, Tajay Spears, two-lane running back, I think he's going day three. I think he can be a passing back at the next level. Um, I'm not sure if we see him much. Those passing backs are pretty – I think actually they're pretty hard to evaluate, too. Tyler Beatty last year was my, I think, RB2 in that category of pass-catching running backs. He led – I don't sure. No, he didn't lead college, but he was definitely top five in rushing yards, and he he's nowhere to be seen. He's nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Tajay Spears overhyped. I think he's a fine player. I very much confident he goes day three, maybe maybe late day two. But Tajay Spears for me. Yeah, he he's definitely been a buzzy name this offseason. I feel like the buzz has died down a little bit since the Senior Bowl, where he kind of walked away with a lot of buzz there. But um, was a guy who fairly late riser in this cycle. Um, went over 120 yards in the last eight games of the season rushing, so that was pretty uh, put up some pretty good stats there. Um, the final three games, he averaged 193 yards, 6.5 yards after contact, and 10 forced missed tackles over those final three games. It's just absurd numbers, honestly, um, over those over those fat, uh, last three. And it was against uh, they only played four ranked teams the entire year. Speaking of the two level competition, those were against three of them in, uh, on the, in those three games. One of them was uh, was a power five team in USC. The rest was UCF and Cincinnati who were ranked, but obviously not power five. So whatever, I guess a little bit of, uh, of uh, still lower competition over there, but still pretty impressive season, all things considered. 
considered. Um, I do think he's a fairly dynamic runner, like uh, able to change directions pretty quickly, um, can start and stop on a dime kind of guy, can really shoot off the ball. I don't think he has an elite finishing gear, um, which I think was, you know, uh, kind of evidenced there by his 4.5 40-yard dash at his pro day he just ran. And it popped up on film where he really didn't pull away as much as I would have thought. He's, you know, in the more quicker than fast category to me. Capable pass catcher, I think, can make you miss uh, after the catch as well. But like didn't really do much beyond like your typical dump off routes, like uh, uh, running back. Like, he wasn't running a bunch of routes like down the field or anything like that. So I do even question how much uh, he'll be able to do in that capacity at the next level. You know, the, the level of competition and the size is going to be the biggest points of contentions. You know, he was listed at 195. Um, came into the senior bowl at 204. Everybody got, kind of got happy there. And then combine, he's back down to 201. So I, I generally got to assume he's around a 200-pound area type of guy. The size does show up on film sometime. Not a guy who's going to push piles. Kind of struggled in some short yard situations. So um, he's he's the kind of guy that I can picture in like a maybe like a Gio Bernard, Kenneth Gainwell type role. You know, like I think Gainwell is even his upside because we've even seen Gainwell do some things where he's almost startable now. Um, but but yeah, I think that's kind of his his upside. But he's not even the level of pass catcher Gainwell was. He was a very good pass catcher. But regardless, that's the kind of role I can kind of see from at the next level. Complimentary back. He, when I graded him, he actually graded out as my running back 12, which seems really low when you when you hear some people have them, but it's a really, really deep class. Like, there's eight names at the top that are almost like locked in between the eight, and then it kind of gets like where it kind of, uh, you know, separates between people what they kind of think. But yeah, even at 12, like, I still kind of fairly like him, but like 12 just where he kind of ended up. You know, nine, that 9 to 12 area, I'm expecting day three capital, um, you know, especially considering how much of a role he'll really warrant on the NFL level, in my opinion. But, but yeah, I know, I know people are high on him, but I guess that's kind of what the thoughts that I feel. I'm more on where you're kind of at. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said there, especially his, his uh, receiving work. I have him at RB12, so we're, we're pretty much or 11, excuse me. We're locked in stats. Well, we talk to each other too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, let's go on to, to Rasheed Rice. Um, okay, so Rasheed Rice, uh, six foot one, 204. At the senior bowl, he measured in at six foot point four, so they made him six foot. So I thought that was interesting. He grew an inch or grew a little bit between the senior bowl and the the, the um combine. Maybe he stretched <laughs> like, out. You know what I'm talking about? Like the back stretch, yeah. Just laid on that. I don't know how minutes. they do that, but apparently it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they probably put him on a stretcher and they they just dragged him out. You know, like don't stand up, you don't compress your back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, but uh, six foot one, two hundred four, uh, ninety six receptions for a thousand three hundred fifty five yards and ten touchdowns. Coming from SMU, SMU it's that G five school that just puts players in the NFL. It's talking about like Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Cortland Sutton, James Prochet. I'm missing one there, but uh, Danny well, Gray. Well, Danny Gray last year, yeah, hasn't done anything. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, but he he got there. But anyway. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Rasheed Rice though t- uh, got some first round hype for a little bit there. I think that's all dead, and it should be. Uh, but Rasheed Rice is a, I think he's great against zone. I think he's a zone beater. That's what he does well. Uh, he definitely, I don't know, didn't look great at the at the Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl is more about like one v ones. It's kind of how the evaluation really is. It's just. It's just seeing that the the micro of it, just what he does is like footwork and everything like that, which was fine. He didn't really wow anybody. Has some drops. There's drops on his tape. He has very questionable hands, um, but I, I think he's a zone beater. So I, I think I still think he can be like an art, a wide receiver too for an NFL team. Just 
being the number two guy there. I think he can do that. Um, I think he's still a, a third round talent. I don't. I think the second rounder stuff is done. I've, I kind of had him evaluated the back of the second, early third. I think that's a fine spot for him. Uh, besides that, I, he's a pretty average athlete for me. I don't really have much to say. He's an average athlete, but I think he's smart against zone. That's that's just kind of it. Yeah, he's a guy that has gotten like solid reporting like all throughout the process. To be fair, he's looking like he's probably likely going to be a day two pick at the very least. So at least you have that kind of in the back pocket. Those SMU wide receivers are somehow keep getting into the NFL and keep getting some pretty good draft capital. Rushy kind of took over that role again from all those productive guys. Um, his testing kind of lined up with how I viewed him as a player. I don't think he's not athletic. I do see some athleticism there. He's got some initial juice to him. Um, he had a 1.49 10 yard split, which was good enough to be tied for third in the entire combine. And the big thing with that was he was surrounded by smaller guys like Josh Downs and Nathaniel Dell. He was really the only like bigger guy there. So he, he's got some juice to him off the line, which I, which I thought I saw on tape as well. There, there's some good leaping ability there on tape as well, evidenced by the 41-inch vert that he had, and really only okay speed, which again, 4.5, 140-yard dash. You know, he kind of, he, he tested how I thought he would have tested, like how he looked. Maybe I was a little bit maybe surprised by like how high he reached on that vert and that 10-yard split, but still, um, still uh, I thought it was pretty decent testing. It's a guy who's pretty solid at the catch point, um, a guy that's hovered around 50% in contested catches through his career, a true 50-50 type guy, really, when you look at it. A lot of guys are lower than that, so it's actually not a bad rate. Um, he, he brings a little bit of versatility, uh, versatility to the lineup. He played 93% of his snaps in the slot in 2021. Then last year played 80% of them on the outside. So we're seeing a guy that can kind of do a little bit of both. Um, but I, I do kind of wonder if he might be better suited for like a bigger slot role, you know, the thing that you mentioned against him being a little bit better against zone than man, very true fact, even PFF graded him the second highest wide receiver in this draft class against zone. 80% of his coverage came uh, production came against zone coverage. Only 23% of his targets came against man coverage, which for some reason tells me, tells me two things, right? He just didn't see much of it at that level of competition. And it's possible. He just didn't, warrant the targets when he was in man coverage maybe he's having trouble separating a little bit he might just be better suited for a big slot role where he understands where to sit in between zones can read the field really well knows when to continue the right or the route or when to sit down and, and like like i mean there's always elements of man in zone coverage as well i mean like you run a cover three or she runs a nine on the outside you're pretty much manned up the entire way down the field regardless right like that's, that's essentially he's man coverage so he has beaten it at times but the numbers still do kind of point to a lack of success against like sticky coverage like that. So that is kind of a concern in his profile. Um, I want to kind of see how that, that evolves the next level, what kind of role he's going to be playing his athletic numbers. Um, Point to some some athletic comparisons that I actually think are, are decent comparisons for him in general. Uh, Dante Moncrief, uh, Brandon Ayuk and Nate Burleson, which I know is a really old one, but I saw it there and I was just kind of like, it, it's just kind of funny because I think that's how I picture him. A guy that is going to be a, more of a wide receiver two, three type on, on the edge of startable, maybe uh, maybe 800 yards, flirts with a thousand yards once in a while, maybe some upside, upside there for more depending on injury situations, whatever. But um, I have him currently at wide receiver eight. For me i feel like that's a pretty decent spot i know i've been a little bit higher on him through the process than, than some of you guys but i feel like that's a pretty good spot for him oh man sorry i have to, I have to find him i have i have him at uh i have him at eight as well actually oh, behind get bingo get out of here <laughs> I, i've always i've liked him he's always kind yeah. of flirting in that zone for me yeah um so. but uh going back to his player profile here uh, you didn't think he had trouble with hands i know i'm looking at pff right now and it says they credit him with only nine drops but i thought it was really generous did you feel like did you feel like there's more when you're watching tapes i feel like there's a lot more when i was watching tapes 
you know what? Like, I kind of think he did some nice things at the catch point. There was a couple of nice catches I saw him come down with. I think everybody has a little bit of inconsistency, but to me personally, didn't come away with where I was like marking it on my paper that it seemed to be a problem for him. Okay. Um, Corey, I, I love your analysis, by the way. You are just, I mean, you're so thorough, man. And I, <laughs> I could just, I, I could just punch on the mouth of my lips right now. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime, buddy. <laughs> All right, let's let's get into the main portion of our show here. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about last chances, Corey. Here, so the, the way I'm looking at this is that these are guys that were that we were once high on, like as a community, we were once high on these guys in our rankings at some point in time, and some still have some insulated value or inflated value, kind of depending on who you're asking. But generally speaking, by by week four we should know these guys trajectory for the season unless unless their name is Quentin Johnston who waited till week 5 because that was just crazy to me but anyway mm-hmm. by week 4 we should understand everyone's trajectory so we can lower expectations erase them off our board or maybe we can bump them up a little bit and say they're back um but you know the phrase never say never it's a phrase that's just not in my vocabulary Corey I'm just a negative <laughs> nancy you know how I <laughs> I just dropped these guys pretty fast. The pathway to NFL stardom is a thin line. You know, we're looking at this class this year, and we're really only excited about five guys max, you know, depending on who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you know I'm, I'm fast to drop them. But again, we've seen some flashes of brilliance from these guys. We've seen some flashes of disappointment. But let's dive into these prospects. We're going to go by position group, and let's just talk about these guys, giving them one last chance, just like a toxic relationship, Corey. Please start us off with quarterbacks. Give us one name. Oh, yeah. So quarterbacks was probably the hardest position group to kind of kind of look at these guys. I went with uh, – uh, at least I'll start with one name that I was kind of thinking of a, a bit, and that's going to be Cameron Ward over at Washington State. This one might be a little bit unfair because, of course, this was a guy – uh, only had one year jumping from uh, the FCS to the Power Five, so there had to be some kind of expected learning curve to ha- to happen. But people were still drafting him in the top five last year. People were still disappointed when he didn't put up the massive stats um, to the point where people feel like they're. I feel like people are bailing on him this year already. And I and I we've talked about it before that I kind of like the things I saw. Yet he did struggle to push the ball down the field. Um, was still clearly adjusting to the speed uh, at the at this level at in the Power Five level, which you know I think some of those things will slow down for him obviously the longer he's in the system but freakish natural feel for the pocket i thought did a lot of things off script it showed a lot of things that a lot of guys don't do well in the pocket a lot of guys are really frantic he looked very natural in there a lot of arm talent even if he has to refine it a little bit i'm willing to give him another year yet um and, and maybe take a shot at him towards the back end of the draft. i think i see enough intriguing traits there especially in the pocket um that makes me think that he has some translatable things to the next level i just don't think i think people are hopping off a little too early on this one I'm with you. I'm with you there. He's also, I don't, I don't have his exact age in front of me, but I know he's really young for his class. Um, when I was trying to find his age, by the way, I went to the uh, Washington state roster racing and it was going to be in his personal profile there. Uh, he has two relatives in the NFL. He's related to Quandre Diggs of the Seahawks. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea. And he's also related to Quentin, Quentin Jammer who plays for the Chargers. I don't know who that is, but I guess none of them have the same last name. <laughs> that's no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. there. I mean, there there is a scenario here here with with Ward, though. Obviously, where if like like you said, by like week four, week five, that he isn't just showing any progression on the field, that this guy could like absolutely plummet. So it does feel like like this might be his last year in the eyes of like Devi analysts because it feels like he's already on a thin line with a lot of guys. 
Yeah, they didn't bring any pass catchers. Uh, we've criticized his long ball, which it's still, according to spring reports I've seen from Matt Bruning on YouTube, it, they're still not there. The long balls yeah. still aren't there. So it, it really could be one of the situations, too, where it's similar to Anthony Richardson, where his supporting cast of wide receivers really aren't helping him out either. So, so, so hopefully we look back and we're like, yeah, it's just drops. It's not his fault. But, yeah, I, I'm with you there. He was like – I remember early in, in mock drafts, you can get him in the 13th round. And I remember, like, once you were, like, drafting teams in, like, late, like, early summer, like, he was a sixth rounder, seventh, eighth rounder. Like, you just oh, it was, like, it was, like, top five rounds, man. It was, like, high, it was, it felt higher than that. Maybe I, maybe I might be misremembering, but like, I, I his hype got ridiculous. I, I couldn't yeah, even draft I, him anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, it was bad. Like, I, I was definitely hoping to see some kind of big-time wide receiver transfer there or something. Give him a weapon or something so we can maybe see him elevate his game a little bit. But, yeah, still a lot of... Some interesting guys. I won't say not interesting, but some lower level guys that'll kind of have to break the mold a little bit. Yeah, and and I am saying to myself, maybe he just took some time to catch up the game speed here. But I, I'm with you. I'm a little bit one last shot before he loses his Debbie value, and he's just a CFF QB. But I'm hanging on to that young age and the fact that he was jumping up a division, and we're hoping that maybe it's just a game speed thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get on to some of the more obvious names to talk about. I, I'm going to start off with Kyle McCord. If you drafted Kyle McCord, you've been waiting for years, and you probably got him in like the first, second round of a startup, probably the first round of a rookie mock draft. Uh, Matt Bruning still got that flag planted. He even said it on their <laughs> latest episode. Uh, but if Kyle McCord comes out and like by week four just isn't looking good, or maybe they're about to lose a game, he's going to get pulled, and it's going to be Devin Brown season. And then Kyle, McC- like that's it for Kyle McCord, in my opinion. I mean, I'm I, I'm not against transfers, but usually. When it comes to the transfer game, it's because I want to see them be stuck behind someone that's just super talented. You know, like like it, there are schools where you got to wait your turn, which Kyle has done. He's waited his turn, and so those guys get free passes for transfers for me. But when you lose your transfer spot, like a Spencer Rattler, for example, or DJU, I don't really care about your Debbie value anymore. I, I think it's hard to recoup that at that point, and you usually have to transfer it down. It's not much of a lateral transfer. So uh, Kyle McCord's my my pick here. And by week four, we're going to know if he's going to go to the NFL this year or not. Yeah, I think the good thing going for him, obviously, is in this system as well, which I think will kind of lend itself with, with those wide receivers as well. All, those, all that five-star talent they have there, it'll make things easier for him. They've got a good running back stable back there as well, usually pretty stocked up on the O-line. He just has to manage the game properly, not do enough to get pulled. I'm sure he's still going to have explosive games as well. Like he, He's a good quarterback. I mean, Matt, Matt Bruning has been talking about him for years touting his name he was even saying he was going to start over cj stroud that's how much he believes in this guy right this guy's got connection with marvin harrison jr as well from their time in high school so there's a lot here going for him in this year but i do agree that i think that if it doesn't work out for him this year we're putting all this faith in him this year he's climbing rankings like crazy he was you know if you look last year, he was probably in the back end 20-something for me, 30. I've got him all the way up now, maybe in like the top 15. Some guys have him top 10. Some guys calling the first-round pick next year. There's a lot of people setting themselves up for disappointment if it drops by some point in like week five or something. And like Devilson, Devin Brown is trotting out there to take over Kyle McCord because he's not playing very well or something. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I'm just saying that's that's a possibility for him. So there is scenarios here where this year does kind of feel like like his last chance to, to maintain or or that value that and those expectations we're setting up for him yeah i got him at nine so i i i am a believer um yeah but we we have seen the story time and time again of qbs falling off so we'll see Corey, give us give us your next one 
Yeah, this one, okay, I'm going a little bit deeper here, obviously. This is a guy that if you've been playing Debbie for a long time, um, this name might ring a little bit of bells with you. But I'm talking about a quarterback by the name of Jeff Sims heading over to Nebraska now. Um, this is a guy that I've been kind of been following for a while. Um, was an interesting dual threat prospect, someone that, that me and Alfred actually talked about when I first really met Alfred when he was going over prospect films on Twitter and stuff. It was a guy that we both kind of liked a little bit, a four-star guy, um, 6'4", 220 pounds, true dual threat guy. Um, and this was a guy who actually started as a true freshman over at Georgia Tech, um, was the first time a true freshman quarterback ever started for them since 2003 or something like that. So it had been a while since that. Again, Georgia Tech, not a very, not a very good team as well, but still, still impressive that he was able to do that. Fantastic build. Um, big arm, nice traits, was playing over there with Jameer Gibbs, actually, um, which one, was one of the first ways I kind of found him as well. But it just never really came together for him at, at Georgia Tech as well, uh, um, for all those years. He hasn't been the healthiest guy either, um, stayed healthy his freshman season, but then over the next two years only played 13 games dealing with injuries. So um, now he's getting a fresh start, though. He's heading over to Nebraska. Um, Casey Thompson, the quarterback that was there last year, has been limited all offseason. He's just recently got back to practice, I think even like today or yesterday. Sims has been acting as a quarterback one, getting a ton of buzz over there. Um, some people are even starting to project him as a starter now, which I would love. Um, got a new new staff over there as well. Matt Rule going over there. Doesn't have any loyalty to anybody over there. Um, he's been successful with quarterbacks in the past at the quarterback at the college level. These are quotes from Matt Rule, by the way. All right. He says, Jeff Sims is the total package uh, at quarterback, okay? And he says he's an NFL talent in waiting, okay? So he clearly really likes this kid. So I think he's got some interesting traits. This year will be big for him, though. Like, if he doesn't win the job, we can cut bait on this one. He's essentially free in drafts, and we can we can move on and stuff like that. But there's just something here. You know, you, if you've got a deeper league that you can kind of take a shot on someone like this, he's got the size and the arm and the mobility that, that I think the NFL could really like. Sounds like you're living in a simulation <laughs> how long how long were you cooking that one up while i was talking yeah for a while yeah. uh yeah i i'm a little bit out because i live in the real world unlike Corey. uh but no it, it's just been it's been too much uh disappointment there with that one but yeah uh okay this one again i'm picking from the top of the tree here it, and i low-hanging I fruit i know and i wasn't super confident about putting this one on the sheet um, because we're a little bit debating about it, but the name is gonna be Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers from Texas, uh, sat in Ohio State. That's fine. Made a million bucks off of one handoff. Also fine. Freshman as a quarterback during COVID. Can't, I can't. I can't knock that. Comes over uh, this year to Texas. Uh, looks really good during that Alabama game. Gets hurt. So again, we've only seen small flashes. It's only two years. We're now going to year three. This really isn't so much of me hammering him not developing. I think he has developed. I, I am I am in. I mean, he's my QB4 in the class. I am in. But if he struggles hard by next, like, offseason, and plus the public, the NIL, the boosters, they're going to want Arch. They're going to want Arch Manning as their QB. And I, I don't know if I can I – I don't know if I could really hold my faith in Quinn. <laughs> so I think by week four, we're going to see, one, if he's fully recovered, and two, if he is the future of the program. Now, I will say this. We do have to pay attention to the drops, not the PFF recorded drops, because I know they'd be not recording some for their favorite guys like Xavier Worthy. But we have to watch out for drops from this team. Even in, in reports right now in spring, it, it, the receivers are dropping balls for them. So, so again, I'm I'm still in on Quinn, but by week four, if he just looks terrible, I'm probably not in week four. I probably got more like week eight. By week eight, if he's looking terrible for eight straight weeks, I think I think that's it. I think it's gonna be time for Arch next year. Uh, he's going to transfer to his third school. I can't really picture him going to like 
an Alabama, he'd have to go to like Texas Tech maybe and play for Kitley. I'm not really sure. I'm not. I'm not ready to speculate transfer portal stuff for for Quinn Ewers because he's not there yet. But Corey, what do you think about Quinn as a last chance guy? Think I'm being too unfair? And this one was kind of weird, and we talked a little bit before the show as well. Like, does he even classify for a last chance? Because it's like he kind of only had the one year of starting. We, we've all kind of known his, his his career trajectory as well. You know, um, came out early, needed the time to just sit at, at Ohio State, um, wasn't even going to play that year, then ended up playing the next year. But it's been like it was like two and two and something years since he actually played meaningful football. So last year was really the first time we saw him um play I, I saw a lot of good things as well i guess so um thinking of him as a last chance guy i don't know because it's like i guess you you kind of look at like the this the spencer rattler thing i guess a guy who had to transfer away he went to, were you still in on spencer rattler when you went to south carolina i think a lot of people would say no so what if that happened to ewers now like he has a bad season this year he gets taken over by arch Manning. he has to transfer away are people going to be out on him or something like that you know yeah i, I like like that's kind of like the, the 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 comparison there. If that were to happen, like for me personally, I don't know if I'm ready to go there that far yet. That I'd be out. Oh, maybe he has a chance to start somewhere else. But maybe like I, of course I'm in the camp that I really believe that he has a big bounce back season this year. So I'm not ready to say that you know that he's going to transfer or whatever. Maybe that's kind of like my bias in this situation too. But I, I don't think I would classify this year as my last year with Quinny. Whereas I think. There's enough talent there and context there that I might give him another shot, depending on where he went, obviously. Like, it, we'd have to see what kind of happens after, how he looks in those games, if there is some context there as well. Um, but I get it. I get it, especially with the way you are with rankings. I get, you know, by saying this could kind of be a make it or break a year for him. Yeah. It, it's, can you imagine Chris Moxley getting excited? We're talking about South Carolina and Quinn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> No, I, I guess, yeah, it's important to identify where is the cliff, like where's the line for you. So I, I guess it does depend if he transfers and where. Um, if he also just sits behind Arch, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much out then too at that point. And that's, that's again, a conversation for like a year and a half from now. But, um, but yeah, so, I, yeah, I, I think you kind of nailed it there. It's just we have to identify where's the line. Let's get on to um, – do you have any more for quarterbacks, right? Anything that popped in your head? No, I mean, yeah, we we had a tough time with quarterbacks, anyways. Just kind of thinking about without without picking the easy guys. Like we're not here to talk about Rattler and DJU and all those guys again. We want to try to bring some different names to the table or whatever. We ended up talking about Quinny, Whereas and Kyle McCord, though. So thanks, Mike, for those <laughs> <laughs> under the radar we, names. <laughs> we, we did new names last year. This is uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of these guys are are twenty twenty four draft eligible. I kind of noticed that too. Let's head yeah. on over to um, let's go on over to wide receivers. I think I have a few more names than you, so I'll start off. Um, I hinted at this last week uh, during a our ADP versus rankings episode. I'm going to talk about Lorenzo Styles, Notre Dame wide receiver. He had a phenomenal bowl game two years ago, so a year and a half ago. Phenomenal bowl game, new offense, new head coach, was set to be the wide receiver one for this offense. Tyler Buckner had all the hype in the world, um, and then and then they came out and it looked terrible. It looked absolutely terrible, and they never got their their mojo back. And uh, Bryce Pine took over. Anyway, and even Corey comments on this, and I'm sure I'll say this again too, that he just didn't look like the athlete on the field, which is true. I couldn't argue it. It's true. His one long run, like he didn't really pull away at all. This is Lorenzo Styles' last chance for me. He's already lost value. He was definitely a a. I think his wide receiver 13 for me, but I think most people had him between the the 10 and 20 range, maybe 25 range. Uh, he's at 29 for me right now. I'm sure he drops way farther for everybody else, but 
by week four, like if Lorenzo size isn't clicking, he's not the player that we thought he is. He just, he's getting the hype in the camp right now. I'm, I'm out. I mean, he's got pro size. He's got the recruiting. He's, he beat the year one zero mold. He just, there's just no evidence of developing in year two. Yeah. Now with, with Sam Hartman coming in, you, there's a little bit of hope here that he can bounce back. Like you said, the spring reports have been strong for him. He said, they said he's looking a lot more natural last year. A lot of the guys, I never even realized how much of a problem it really was for him last year. Maybe because I stopped watching our day altogether, to be honest with you, but they were really talking about how he was struggling catching the ball last year, really a concentration problem, got inside his head. He's looking a lot more natural this year, apparently really not thinking about it anymore. And he's looking more like himself. So maybe he can start to be that guy that we saw a little bit early in the in his career, the guy that we had some hope for, but like, man, I'm like borderline already out. I have him at like wide receiver, like 50 something maybe or whatever. So he'll have to do a lot to kind of get in my, in my good graces again for me to kind of hop back in, but this is definitely the last year for him in my uh, opinion. Um, Another guy with a new opportunity in front of him, um, kind of reinvigorating his value, is um, CJ Williams heading over to Wisconsin. Uh, I think it's kind of weird to be talking about, obviously, uh, <laughs> a freshman wide receiver from last year and saying it's his last chance. But obviously, we are very big um, supporters of the year one zero theory here. A lot of people didn't really like CJ Williams as a freshman as well. So I think that's really lowered him. I think a lot of people are really on the edge with him if he can really be something. But now coming here, I think some people have reinvigorated the uh, the thoughts of him. I'm kind of on that trend as well. This was, you know, almost a five-star guy. Um, I, I was a little bit higher on him as a freshman than I know our company was. They were pretty low on him as well. But I was a little bit higher on him technical guy maybe lack some high-end athleticism um but you know i thought he he did a lot of things well especially in the red zone um and now you're getting into an offense phil long was the oc a lot of success with wide receivers in the past i don't think you bring in a talent like cj williams to have him sit on the bench either right i think he plays sooner rather than later even though the reports aren't really sounding like that so he could really be a big beneficiary of the of the new system here but if we're getting to a new con a new team here new situation everything's lining up for you to really make an impact here and you just go fall flat on your face again it's going to be hard to buy back into this guy especially with it already dwindling pretty hard for a lot of people so i really do think this could be a make or break a year for him in terms of debbie value no nailed it uh, he's got all the great variables going on around him has a qb has a coach with a great system competition's not that strong O line is gonna be phenomenal to give us give tanner mordecai plenty of time to throw um, let's head on over to my guy here. Let's talk about uh, Jojo Earl, uh, TCU, or sorry, Alabama transfer going to TCU. Now he was hurt last year. Uh, came back. I want to say like week six, week four, kind of like you know, early. He came back early, but he never, he never kicked off. His, he wasn't productive. He didn't come back the same way. I don't know if it's lingering injury, or maybe he's just not the player we thought he was. But he looks like, you know, he looked like he was going to be the next quick twitch slot out of Alabama, which is, you know, pretty, pretty lucrative for NFL stuff. But um, he goes to TCU. They featured the X. We talk about, I've talked about this a lot with Joe Duro, but this is it. This is his last chance. He transfers to TCU, very productive system. If he gets caught up in the depth chart or he plays and he's just not like the number one target there. I mean, I don't know who they have right now. They, they lost Quinn Johnson. They lost their field stretcher and Darius Davis. You're looking at like Jordan Hudson, and I don't know who play on the outside. Probably Savion Williams, I, I think Savion maybe would be Williams. the guy. But yeah, might be it might be a, a name not a lot of people are talking about. Really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the talent at TCU wide receiver is thin this year. 
it won't be thin next year once Cordell gets a year two, but it's thin this year. Uh, so if Joe Girardi can't get it going here in the second system, very similar to CJ Williams here, uh, that, that's it for me. I'm I'm out 100. I mean, I'm already kind of out, but I I'm gonna be fully out. Yeah, this is this is definitely going to be a make or break year for him, and I think that 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 is even kind of the the theme of the show a little bit with all the guys we've been talking about. It's new guys who have faded, but all of a sudden they have new opportunities. Styles has Hartman coming in, uh, C.J. Williams going to a new team, Dojo Earl going to a new team with a new system that should line up for him. He should take over that Darius Davis role, be that deep threat down the field as well, be the short intermediate guy who can make guys miss in traffic as well. And it should be a good offense. I mean, Sonny Dykes has always run like a top 20 offense in, in CFF. Everything is lined up for him to do well. If he can't succeed now, it's going to be really hard to to keep pumping up his name and keep thinking of him but uh, as anything other than some kind of dart throw or some guy you're just kind of hanging on to because it's a my guy or a bias thing, really. Absolutely. Corey, give us give us your last one there. Yeah, this one, I'm going I'm going back again. This one, I, I think a lot of people will know this name, obviously, um, especially in the CFF community. But I'm going to talk about Brew McCoy, wide receiver going over to – or not going over to, already at Tennessee now since last year. Um you know, this is a five-star kid, really just weird uh, recruiting thing for him, right? Commits to USC, transfers to Texas before ever stepping foot on USC, then goes back to USC in the summer, uh, all within his freshman year before stepping on the field, okay? So so that was already weird. Um, then he played six games in a COVID-shortened season in 2020, was able to make a little bit of an impact at USC with names like Drake London, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown on the roster too. So look, Arrow was trading up for him. Then looking at 2021, some off-field issues, okay? Was accused of domestic violence. Obviously, everybody's ready to cup bait with him. I get that, 100%. Then all of a sudden, what happens? Charges get dropped, transfers over to Tennessee, essentially filled in for that Cedric Tillman role this last year when he was in and out three games over hundred yards um, caught that set that, that big, like 80 yard touchdown against Florida. I remember last year really flashed some of that athleticism that we liked some of the ball skills that really made him an impressive prospect. Right. So we've really only seen him on college in the college field for two years. I understand this is now entering like his like fifth year, but we've really only seen him on the field for two years. Um, I understand there's a lot of kind of like the Zach Evans thing with him, with the recruiting off field questions, the brush up with the law or whatever made him. I, I bailed too. I was, I was, I was bailing fully, but I'm seeing enough context here now that I think I can give him one last shot. At least it's, it's never been, it's never been the poor play. It's never been that he struggled on the field or whatever, you know, he popped in the opportunities he had there. There's some risk here, but I think there's a talent level here that I'm willing to give him one last shot. Not like I'm going to like last pack, last pick in your draft kind of thing. Like I think I have him in like my wider your fifties or something right, right now. Right. So, and I mean, we talked about, we just talked about it before. Tennessee has been like a hotbed for a wide receiver town too. Um, the, all these guys, all these no-name guys, even even older guys, you know, Cedric Tillman, we're expecting to get some pretty good draft capital this year. Josh Palmer got good draft capital. Felix Jones got good draft capital. So, I mean, Drew McCoy might just be that next random type of player to get on the draft later next year with this, with a strong season. He already has the pedigree. So I'm giving him one last shot here, but this this is it for me. I but I but I just I'm creeping back in here. I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna test the waters. I was embarrassed. Embarrassed midseason when he popped off. Cedric Tillman's out the next week. I was like, this guy's gonna have a good week. I'm super excited about it. I think he's gonna rehash some Debbie value. And then he did nothing. I don't even know what week it was, but I know he did nothing. <laughs> well, and I was like, was it Tennessee Mark? Anyway, he did nothing though. And I was like really upset about it. You know what? It's because I, I got I got too I got 
too into reading Chris K's stuff in the Slack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a big supporter. Yeah, big supporter. Huge, yeah. huge brew guy. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little out. Isn't like going to his fifth year? Am I right about? Yeah, that? Yeah, I said that. Yeah, but but, but like I, I was trying to explain, there's a lot of context there at least mm. through through that. But it is. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. I'm just I'm willing to give him one more shot. There's a lot of talent in this in this in this guy. So maybe I'm just willing to take yeah. one more shot. All right, let's get on to my next guy here. Let's talk about uh, Bo Collins. Bo Collins, wide receiver for Clemson. Uh, again, the theme is here, what's the new variable in play? The new variable is that DJU is gone. Okay, he's gone. K-Club is in. Uh, Bo had a injury. I can't, well, I can't remember the injury. Corey, do you remember the injury was? That had? I think a shoulder, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, so shoulder injury misses the K-Club at the end, but he gets him this year. Should be a top three wide receiver for this group. I don't think Adam Randall's going to pass him up this year. Uh, this is it then. He's, it's, it's his time to to rehash his Debbie value. There are a lot of talent coming into Clemson. Uh, looks like Antonio Williams, in my opinion, is already the wide receiver one there. But if both can keep it close, you know, make it like a 1A, 1B, I'm fine with that. These guys are both very talented, or we think they are very talented at least. Uh, but yeah, Bo Collins for me has just fallen off the train. He just hasn't really blown up. He's just shown us like inconsistent flashes of good of brilliance. And now, well, not last year, but freshman year he did. So I, I got him down here at four. Oh, by the way, Brew McCoy for me is wide receiver ninety, and I got CJ Williams in eighty nine. Oh, man, I can't think of ninety but, wide receivers I'd want to take a, a more of a chance on. Me, me, I don't know. I put DeCorey <laughs> and Clark in front of him. But anyway, uh, I like DeCorey and Clark. I think he's in front of him for me too. Oh, <laughs> All right, but anyway, going back to um, back to Debbie, back to Bo Collins. I'm 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 just seeing if if Kate Klubnik is going to help rehash his value. Hopefully, Kate can look better than he did his freshman year. I mean, his freshman year, he will. What do you think about Bo Collins? Do you think he's done, or what do you think? Yeah, to be honest, like I even had trouble drafting this guy already, even after his freshman season. Everybody was kind of jumping in on him, so like I'm feeling pretty off of him. I I do agree. There's there's obviously still some guys hanging around. He's still going within like the top eight rounds for the most part, and so a lot of the drafts I'm doing. So there's there's some, there's some belief there from a lot of people still hoping that he kind of bounces back. But again, you're looking at a wide receiver room that keeps getting more talent as well. Um, we're hoping Adam Randall is going to see a big bounce back as well. Antonio Williams obviously broke out last year, so we're looking at two guys who are going to hopefully command a lot of attention um, in that wide receiver core already. How much room is really left for him after that? So I don't know. It's a tough one to keep, to keep buying in on, on Bo Collins to kind of keep propping up. I think this is one that I'm actually out on for Bo Collins. Where do I have him rank? It's not the greatest ranking. He's at wide receiver 42 for me. So I'm pretty low on him already. Yeah. I just don't like, I get it. I get what we, we saw in one year, but it wasn't even that crazy he didn't do like that much in that year he just kind of bounced flashed for a couple games and that's good you know that that's like colby young flashed for a couple obviously he was a freshman so it's different but regardless he flashed for a couple games and everybody bought into it and then he he just hasn't done anything since and he's constantly dealing with injuries i just don't know how much excuses to make for him Oh, I thought you were talking about Colby Young there. Like that's not his fault. The no, 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 no. I was, I was, I was about to compare it, but then I was like, it's not a fair comparison because Colby wasn't a freshman last year. So, but uh, but Bo yeah. Collins, obviously, we got excited because he was a freshman. So yeah, yeah, he's he he has no wiggle. Um, he's more of a physical type of type of ball player. Um, I, I do want to say this: he did come back for ten snaps. I just I saw this. Uh, he came back from ten snaps uh, at the end of the season here, two for sixty-five, a long one for fifty-nine yards. 
maybe I'll see how he looks, how he moves, and his connection with Kid Klubnik during that game. But um, which is again a very small sample size, but at least I get to see a little bit of something. Yeah. I'm still kind of in, but I have him at wire tier forty six. Well, so, further than me. Wow. I, yeah, but I, I still I still think he can bounce back. I just I like I stated earlier, I do think Antonio Williams has passed him. So I think he is the one and 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 I think Bo's number two here, like pretty clear cut. But if it's a one A, one B, I'll definitely be bumping him up. If he can bounce back like eight hundred yards, I'm in. Like I'm I think I think I'm I think I'm back in. Anything more to say on Bo Collins before we move on to two obvious names that have been talked about too much? <laughs> No, we can move on to those days. But yeah, no, Bo Collins. I mean, I just, I'm, I guess, like, I just, I won't, I don't think I'll be touching him this year. So, I mean, that might be an amount I'm out already, but maybe if he bounces back this year, I might get back in. So maybe I haven't fully cut the cord, but yeah, it's, it's real thin for me if it hasn't been cut already. (laughs) Yeah. Our, our values are very low. So we're, if I'm not doing startups, but if we do startups, I'm sure I'm not the one drafting him. Yeah. I will say this though. If I do like watch his, 10 snaps at South Carolina, two for 65. And I like the small flash I see there. I'll probably send out some offers. Just see if I can buy low. But for the most part, yeah, I'm not trying to not trying to spend up. Let's get into the two obvious names I hinted at. And I'm talking about wide receivers, Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks. The Alabama wide receiver core has been nothing but disappointing. I've been saying this a lot. So we're trying to make this very quick here. Burton looked really good his final game. That was about it for the entire year. So people were making jokes like, oh, man, we're going to buy into Burton one more year. Uh, maybe. Maybe maybe we are. And I think Ja'Cory Brooks, I think I already know what type of player he is. Everyone still has him super highly valued because they just assume he's the wide-share one from Alabama. And wide-share one from Alabama get drafted. They get the draft capital. All stuff I can't argue with. Um, but, you know, no one really cares about what his player profile actually is. He's just a middling talent. So, that's that's my issue with Collins or sorry with Ja'Cory Brooks with Jermaine Burden he is a fantastic athlete we just haven't seen him put it together and hopefully one more year of development at Alabama just puts him on the right track because right now he just he looks very raw and I don't like saying that for guys that have been in the uh, college football field for three years that, that's a term you use when someone's been there for a year maybe two once you're in year three you can't be calling someone raw yeah, and I think we set ourselves up for disappointment a little. Well, for um, sorry, we set ourselves up for disappointment with how high we are ranking Jermaine Burton already. I mean, he was in the top five wide receivers. We just truly believed that this athletic freak that has been kept under wraps at Georgia because of their low volume passing attack that he was going to move over to Alabama, blow up in their passing attack, put up over a thousand yards, become the next first round wide receiver for Alabama in the NFL draft. And it just didn't work out that way. So I think a lot of people are obviously disappointed by that. They've dropped him because of it. They're hopping out. We talked about it a little bit, a couple shows ago, so I don't get too much into it, but I just agree with a lot of what you said in the sense that I think Jermaine Burton has that athleticism going for him in the same way that we kind of look at like Raheem Jarrett or like Parker Washington. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, He's still going to have that pedigree and that talent that might still earn him day two capital. If he's lucky, you know, he might end up more of like a high end day three pick, but, but still like, I'm almost more in on him, almost willing to give him one more shot in this year. Ja'Cory Brooks, especially at the price. I'm just, I just don't think I can take the dive again one more year on him and see what, and see what kind of breaks out for him. I, I don't doubt that maybe he could get good draft capital, but I just don't know if I'm in on his archetype of player. We talked about a little bit 
not really the most dynamic type of guy, has really failed to step up with all these opportunities. He's had to step up and be the guy, and he still hasn't stepped up. They've got a lot of talent behind them as well. It's a last shot for these guys. This is a, this is a perfect group to talk about for this segment, at least, because it is the last shot for these guys with all that talent behind them um, to really make a name for themselves and really get some draft capital heading into their into their draft years. Yeah, I- if they don't put it together, they'll be walking across the street to South Alabama, and that's how they get into the senior. Yeah. Of South yeah. Alabama. Um, I got I got these guys at forty five, by the way, for Decoy Brooks, and I got Burton at sixty eight. So I'm not wow, you. Hate, you hate Burton. Wow. This is why too I get made fun of for promoting Malik Benson too much. Not because I truly believe in Malik Benson, I, I do believe, but I, I truly don't believe in everybody else around him. So uh, at least at least the the upperclassmen. So. I've got I've got them close. Where who do I have? I have Jermaine Burton at forty one, and Jacory Brooks at thirty eight. I don't know why I have that because I honestly think that I'd rather take Burton to be honest with you. But I, maybe just because he just because yeah, just because he's younger and there's more ups there's a little bit more upside there. Yeah, and I we think that's, and we know we know the skill set that Jacory Brooks has. We just don't think it it's an NFL developing skill set. But yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. All right. Let's. Let's go on to uh, running backs now. Why don't you start us off? Okay, one guy I'm giving one last shot to after jumping out a little bit last year, or not completely jumping out, but just after, after having a really weird year, former Oregon running back Byron Cardwell, now heading over to Cal, um, looked really good two years ago when he was kind of thrust into some starting duty as a, as a freshman. Really made it seem like he was going to be the dude last year. Spring reports were strong about him. Then, you know, of course, we all kind of know he somehow fell out of favor there. I know he was dealing with some nagging injuries as, as well, but a pretty low number of touches. You know, I know it was a new staff that came in there as well. Maybe they just had some some affinity for some other guys. He just kind of fell out of favor there. Now he's going over to Cal. Um, Jay Nott, we've talked about a bunch. He's had his struggles as a rusher, had a really nice freshman season, but did struggle as a rusher at times. Maybe Cal wanted to add a little bit more size to that room. Maybe see if they can improve a little bit of efficiency there. Early signs are pointing towards Cardwell is running as a running back too in spring right now. He's had some high flashes, had a few up and down moments too, but he's had some flashes there. Maybe he can work himself into a sizable role there. Um, maybe even take over the backfield if it proves to be a better runner than not. I don't know. I'm just put that out into the university if it happens. But but that then he's really a guy who would climb next year. But if he can't do anything. With this opportunity this year, he's definitely going to just become one of those guys who kind of had a flash in the pan for like three games there, made us excited, um, but really gets hard to keep making excuses for. Just falls into that bucket of guys, you know, ranked in like your 60 to 80, like graveyard running backs like that we once had had hope for. That's going to be where Byron Cardell is going to end up if he doesn't do anything this year. So I'm giving him one last chance to prove himself here at Cal and kind of work himself into a role uh, and be the guy that maybe we thought he was going to be, but it's his last chance here. I think he can get early down duties. I really do. I, I, yeah. I am a little bit in on this guy too, bouncing back. Or sorry, not a bounce back to last chance episode. I think he can. I think he can. He can win his last chance as a as a runner, and then hopefully we see some some pass catching ability. But Jay Knox definitely yeah. a really good pass catcher. Last chance bounce back. It's the same thing. Who cares semantics? <laughs> <laughs> we need right. we need these last chance guys to bounce back in order for them to you know what i mean well, so, so many kinda, times it, were never there byron carl never proved the talent he was never there we can't call it a bounce back if he wasn't no, what's bouncing true. back from yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah bouncing back from yeah. the thought of him <laughs> the yeah thought we had for him yeah. <laughs> uh let's go over to chase mcclellan my running back choice here of guys that 
has some insulated value. That's also uh, just wrong. But anyway, he's coming into his, I think, his fourth year. Off an ACL tear. I think he's more of a straight line runner. I, I can't doubt that he has the inside track. I mean, the lead runner for Alabama. I think he wins that job. As much as a Jamario Miller, sorry, Jam Miller fan that I am, I believe that running back Chase McClellan does win the job and gets the very clear opportunity in a run first offense. If it's, if it's Jalen Milrow taking over this offense, it's going to be a lot of RPO type stuff, a lot of a lot of heavy run. Uh, so Chase McClellan here for me, he's only really shown flashes against poor competition. Uh, he also isn't really scheme agnostic. I'm trying to pull it up, but I know he like runs more in like zone or gap. I can't remember which one it is. But when you watch it on tape, it's very obvious. He he tries to be players with speed. He's an upright runner. He definitely breaks some tackles, but he's not. He doesn't run with power. That's not his thing. He's not there to break tackles. He's just a very upright, fast runner. So, Corey, what do you think about Chase McClellan? Yeah, this one was a little bit of a weird one because the guy I'm kind of expecting, I guess, to hop to the NFL draft next year. I just kind of think it's like there's no court to cut. I mean, this is just his last year, period. You know what I mean? Like, this is just, this is just it for him. They, I mean, he's got to prove something this year to be that guy. But at the same time, when I look at Jason McClellan, like, I don't think he can be any worse than Brian Robinson, can it? Like, can it really – can he be much worse than that? You know what? I will – I have to give Brian Robinson credit for being a tough, gritty runner. Really wasn't afraid – good pad level. Wasn't afraid to really get dirty in between the trenches. Jason McClellan, a little more athletic. There has been sometimes he liked to bounce outside a little more. Didn't really create for himself as much. Um, but, uh, you know, so there, there is some differences there, but I just, I, I have a hard time believing that this guy won't at least see, you know, if he, if he maintains being the lead rusher, at least a heavy part of this rotation that he can't see like at least, at least round four capital, which is, I think still pretty good capital for running back. Not exactly what we want to see from a high end point, but I guess that's where the expectations are uh, with him, with coming in on him. I guess I'm more thinking about him like already a late day three, early day four guy. So maybe I'm not in enough already, but yeah, he, he didn't really strike me as a last chance guy. He just struck me as I, I guess, well, it is kind of his last chance. Like this is it for him. Right. So he's, he's got, yeah. he's got to prove us wrong right now. Yeah, this is, this is it. So Sorry, I thought I was on mute there for a second. So uh, this this is his last chance for me. And I, I unlike some of these, like I did talk about, I, I agree with you on the Brian Robinson analysis there. Like he can have one good year. He can become a third round guy and he can find some sort of fancy relevance. Now, personally, by the way, Brian Robinson, I had him graded as like a high-end handcuff. I didn't have him as a uh, as a big deal player at the next level. He, no, he got more on that thought. Which remains to be seen too. I don't actually think he was that great either in his first season. No, but he looked good in like little spot starts there. Yeah. Better than I thought he was going to look. Uh, definitely looked like he had more juice too than I thought in college. So, um, but but Chase McGlone, someone that did have juice. Uh, I'm going to go on. You want to go on to your next guy? Yeah, let's go on to your next guy, Corey. Who do I have here? Hold on. Let me pull up my notes here. Ah, here's one guy that I'm giving one last chance to, and that is Mr. E.J. Smith at Stanford. And, yes, that is the son of Hall of Fame running back and current career yard rushing leader, I believe, Emmett Smith in the NFL. Um, E.J. Smith has been another one of those guys. Injuries haven't worked in his favor. Um, High-ranking four-star guy, uh, all-purpose back, really good receiving game in, in high school as well. Over 1,500 receiving yards in high school to go with almost 3,000 on the ground. So really guy that really uh, um, excelled in both facets of the game. Last year finally looked like the shot for him to, to be the guy. Got injured two games into the season, unfortunately, like that. But in those two games, 30 carries, 
for 206 yards and three touchdowns to go along with eight catches for 63 yards and a touchdown through the air. So really showcase that versatility has the size, has the pedigree. It's just now that we're going to this fourth year already. We're actually going to see him become a starter. I think that's why people have kind of gotten off on him. It's been so long. We've kind of been waiting for him. He's available like super late in drafts. There's 10 round mock drafts. We do on David dress right now where he doesn't even get, get drafted. So, I mean, it, it seems like a lot of people are kind of already going out on him. I'm still willing to give him one last shot here. He looks like he's going to be the clear starter at Stanford. At Stanford, He's probably going to get a pretty good workload. I would at least uh, expect anyways. He was getting one when he was going to be the starter there. Um, so I'm just not, not completely ready to cut the cord. I'm eager to see what EJ can finally do in his full year starting. But this might be the last year for him. This is your fourth year going into Stanford and everything's set up for you. you got to stay healthy and you got to produce. Oh, I didn't even realize this is fourth year. He's got 56 career carries. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's <laughs> let's go on to my next one here. I, I'm going to talk about uh, Kendall Milton. Kendall Milton, uh, Georgia running back. I think he's an early down banger. I don't think he has a complete skill set. I know he had one phenomenal catch in spring. Great, good for him. He's not. I mean, he's not used as that in um, at Georgia. Uh, he's hurt. He's missing the spring again. Corey just said that earlier. Uh, this is it, man. Like it's a rotating backfield. Branson Robbins is knocking on the door. Like he's ready to come in. Uh, so I, I think he's going to be relegated to backup duties here if he doesn't get healthy by the time summer comes around. We'll see how Branson looks. But um, but yeah, I, I'm pretty much out on him. I really do think he's just a middle, like college middle, not NFL middle, a college like average power back. And he's definitely used heavily around the goal lines. He's used in the red zone. But between the 20s, there's a lot of Dejon Edwards, a lot of Kenny, Kenny McIntosh. So just a pile pusher that's a very ad- average, very average pile pusher. Yeah, so this just that just quickly became like why you hate Kendall Milton and not why he has. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, 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 I mean, whatever. <laughs> no, no, that's it. <laughs> Okay, so well, as you can tell, Mike doesn't like Kendall Milton very much. But that's the running back room see. gets thinner like it does every year at Georgia. And this guy still just isn't, you know. No, <laughs> one I more... mean, yeah. We're, the, the funny thing is we're, we are good. There is a lot of people lining up to give him one more chance. But again, right in the beginning, right as we're lining up to give him a, a one more chance at this, and he's already got a hamstring uh, issue in practice, which has been another one of his nagging injuries throughout his career is these soft tissue things. Like I, I don't know how to make excuses for him anymore. Dude. I, and I was one of those believers, dude. I was one of the guys that was high on him. I think I'm out, man. I don't, I can't make excuses anymore. And now that I say that is when he's going to come back, be healthy for the whole season, flash and we lead back. I just know that's how it's going to happen, but I can't see my, I don't, I don't, unless it's like some ridiculous value. I don't think I'll be touching Milton this year. Yeah. He'll stay healthy as long as, um, as long as Felix doesn't talk about him. Everybody, everybody Felix talks about <laughs> Yeah. Troy uh, who was it? Uh, Blackburn today from Georgia tech. Everything. Yeah, he just got. Yeah, I just saw he tore Jojo his Earl. Too. Yeah, yeah, he talked about Carson Strong. Felix, when you listen to this episode, don't talk about guys that I like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing. It's pretty much just a list of guys you don't like, anyways. <laughs> um, one guy here that I'm going to go for one last guy here, my last running back I want to talk about. Um, a guy that I think you might have cut the cord on already by by the conversations we've had. We've had, but I'm yep. still giving him another shot here because there's an opportunity here. They've got a, a freshman running back coming in. The guys in front of him aren't that great. Um, besides what another fellow back to Debbie podcast host might tell you about Jonathan Brooks, but I'm telling you about Texas running back Jadon blue that I'm giving him one more chance. 
I'm not ready to cut the cord yet. There's a lot of guys out there that are that are cutting the cord. But this guy was an exciting prospect, man. We loved his film. We loved him so much he was creeping into the second round last year. I don't understand why people are already ready to cut the cord on him. But I, I, there's a lot of talent in that backfield. I get that. There's a lot of people coming in. I do think this is going to be Cedric back, uh, Baxter's backfield sooner rather than later. Maybe that means there's a transfer for Jadon Blue in the future. But he's got an opportunity this year. The reports have been semi-good about him. He could be the guy while Cedric Baxter's kind of working in. Maybe halfway down the season, Cedric Baxter gets more of a, more touch load. I don't know. Maybe he ends up transferring away. I just got to bet on the talent here a little bit. Not ranking highly. He's somewhere around like, I, I'd have to look it up really quickly. I think he's like running back 38 or something like that. Very, very close to 40, somewhere in like the 40 range. That's just that that's just kind of signaling I'm not ready to cut the court. It's signaling that there's there's definitely red flags there and there's risk. Losing the weight, not getting any playing time. Guys are playing over him. Now they're even changing wide receivers into running backs that might get playing time over him. So I don't know. There's a lot going on this year. But if he does not do anything this year, then I'm in. Then it's like, we're cutting the cord. It's done. It's time. Let's move on. I would like to see him transfer. I really do. I yeah. I think he I think he can be like a Bucky Irving. I think he'd be like a Ty J Spears. I think he's like that prototype type of player. And that's his pathway to the NFL. Um but yeah, Texas is just too crowded. And, and you just list all the reasons why I'm, I've already kind of wrote him off. I do think Baxter wins it. I think it's Brooks's, Jonathan Brooks, it's his backfield to start off. Uh, and then once Cedric Baxter gets acclimated, probably like almost towards the end of the first season, I think that's going to be it for Jadon. Uh, but no, I, I like that. I would, be, I would be back in if he transfers. I'm going to go on to my last guy here. I'm going to talk about... I'm going to talk about someone that's very you, on brand for me. Do you even have to? You can just say, I hate Marshawn Lloyd and we can end the show. <laughs> no, no, no. I, we got, <laughs> we got no, tight ends to talk about too. We're going to spoil no, no, our I'm audience. Just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Yeah. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd running back transfer from South Carolina going to USC. I know I'm being a dead bush. because it's probably the eighth time I've talked about this last three months. Two ACL tears hasn't looked good. Play well against two poor defenses. And you play well against Kentucky. It's just like good for you. Uh, but besides one good game, uh, we just haven't really seen much from him. Now he goes to USC and he's getting good camp reports. And uh, I got clown. I got clown. I'm going to call it clown. I got clowned on in the company slack for saying that I think Austin Jones starts <laughs> over him. I don't, that was just hatred coming out. I actually really do think that he wins the job. But I'm sitting here saying to myself, let's let's just say what if. What if Marshawn Lloyd gets a thousand yards rushing this year? Do I really care that much? No, I don't. I don't care. He's not going to pass physicals at the next level. He might pass them. They're not going to be excited about two torn ACLs. Um, wait, is it two or one? Am I, am I making that up? Am I thinking about Man. Tajay here? Oh, man, now you got me confused. Was it two back to back? It might have been. It might have been two. No, I think. Or is it just the one? It might have just been. I think the it was one. Just don't one. quote I me on just that. Yeah, the stuff up. Oh, here comes, here comes quality up. control in the background. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but Austin's in the background for everyone listening. Uh, I can't do this with Austin here. Marshawn, Marshawn, Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, he's he's set to be the next USC running back. Who just I could just care less about. So it was only it was again, only one ACL. The, the last chance, though, the last chance is that it's a new environment. It's a new system. There's not a lot of talent behind him. He can probably get a lot of really good work because this is a really high octane offense. They should be in the red zone all the time. Honestly, they should just live in the red zone. And he's going to have a lot of a lot of opportunity to prove himself. So he really can bounce back here. This is Marshawn Lloyd's last chance. 
Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd agree. That's probably his. It's probably going to be a, a very crucial year for his draft outlook and and what he's going to be for Devi owners and how they're going to they're going to look at him throughout this year as well. This was a guy that was we we're super excited for though. I mean, like I mean, I, I know. I, speaking of Austin here in the background, he was a guy who had Marshawn Lloyd super high too. I think we both had him as like top three or four guy in his class. Like very excited about him. Like so, we want to see him come back. We want to see some of that guy that we fell in love with in the beginning, but he just has been that guy for the past two seasons and yes it takes a while to come back from the acl tear some guys recover better than others so there is a chance here that maybe in the third season he looks a little bit more fluid he looks a little bit more quick on his feet he looks a little bit more um like the guy that we fell in love with as a freshman and maybe he can start climbing those boards but i am i'm legitimately concerned that his like athleticism is sapped or something. He just didn't look like a guy that could change direction very well. He had a lot of a lot of build up speed to him, a lot of like a lot of steps and trying to change direction. It was a, it was a tough watch sometimes last year, and I know a lot of people were in on him. And I guess I just came away with a different impression. So this really is a make or break year for him, in, in my opinion. I think he actually has, if I'm not mistaken, more eligibility passed this year if he wants it. So there is a chance, I guess he could be someone who sticks around for a while and keeps building on that profile. But if he even, I mean, if he doesn't look that good and, and doesn't do nothing this year, then I'm ready to call it quits. Me and you are already hanging on twine by this guy anyways. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's getting close. If you drafted these guys when they were freshmen, which I think they're all three part of the same, were they all part of the same freshman class? Chase McGlellan, Kendall Milton, and Marshall? Yes. Lee? Yeah, they were. Yeah. Dude, you, you, you were screenshotting your team and saying to your boys laughing to the bank saying, I just, I tore everyone apart in this draft. Oh, this oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> this is how this turned out. We're talking about them as last chance players now. So, Corey, uh, oh, that's it. That's it for running backs. Let's get on to our favorite, our favorite. We are spoiling you guys tonight. We are talking about tight ends, and we do have two on this list. We're going to start off with Michael Trigg, Ole Miss tight end. Uh, he's been hyped up as being, you know, just very athletic, just kind of the ultra player here. Uh, very quiet season at Ole Miss. Did he get hurt? I'm trying to, like, we're talking yes, a lot of injuries tonight, so now he I'm got like hurt, blurring yeah. the lines. Yeah, yeah. he got hurt. Okay, yeah. so he got hurt again. Again. Uh, these aren't like all major issues. They're not ACL tears. It's just kind of like how often do you want to keep hyping up a guy that keeps getting hurt? And then it's just going to be his profile is that he's injury prone. So Michael Trigg, Ole Miss. Ole Miss brings in only really Chris Chris Marshall. I think they brought in a, a pretty prolific slot. Am I, am I incorrect here on that? Not that I, I can't remember. I can't. But I think they brought in some other guys as well. Yeah, so I, I well, I mean, like high end guys. I, so I don't think they bring in very high end talent. So he does have another chance in front of him to build off that chemistry with Jackson Dart. Uh, Corey mentioned that Chris Marshall is running with second or third team. So I don't know who they have on this first team. Again, Mingo leaves, Keith leaves. So there's still a lot of vacancy, a lot of production there. And he's one of the few uh, pieces of continuity that's left behind for Jackson Dart. Yeah, I guess the thing with, with tight ends and, and, and why I would even push back on them being on the episode where I would have wrote a couple myself is that <laughs> I just don't think that like the analytics follow them as well either. I think they are, you know, there's a little bit of leniency in their time frame. There's more leniency in their production. There's more leniency in whatever. So it's like, Mike, we could be out on Michael Trigg this year, next year. He could come back healthy 
two years from now put up a monster season and end up a second round pick. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're even the next guy, I'll just, you know, we're, we're going to talk about Eric Gilbert next, but even he's a guy it's been five or four years now that we've been talking about this guy. We're still talking about him as a last chance guy. I think we're going to continue to keep giving these tight ends one last chance because that's just how it works with tight ends. They, they, all they really need is one big season or just traits that the NFL loves and they'll give them a shot. They'll draft them relatively high. So it's hard for me to really say that any kind of tight ends are really on their, on, on their last chance or whatever. But speaking about Michael Trigg in general, I do think the hype for him got a little bit, drastic last year i understand he was a nice prospect um had some athleticism to him was going to a situation that should have been good for him i guess but i mean uh, talking about him as you know tight end one overall and stuff like that that was just a little bit too high for me i you know where jatavion sanders is going right now which is kind of like the mid-range of dress right now that's where i really think that like michael trick's value should have been he he was starting to go in the third round um and the second yeah fourth round it was just crazy dude like how high the hype got on this guy so yeah definitely on i don't think that it's a last chance year for him for me for him i just think a lot of people are disappointed with what they set up them, themselves for by, by setting up this whole, this big year up for him in this new transfer place or whatever. It's just, it doesn't work the same for tight ends, especially on the college level, man. It just doesn't work that way. So I'm not, not a last chance, not a last year for me, but definitely hoping to see that he's going to bounce back. It, it, his value will go a long way. He might go from untradeable to tradable or, or to absolutely nothing going forward. It might just have to stash him on your roster and hope for the best. To support Corey and how late these tight ends stick around that we still care about, Dalton Kincaid, he started out with San Diego, transferred to Utah. He's a fifth-year tight end. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't really talked about. I mean, I think he was the most of our rankings as like a top 20 guy, but like he, he wasn't the guy going top 10, top 15 rounds of a startup. He was going much, much later. And now he's getting mocked in the first round. I think he's majority tight end two in the class for, yeah. for everybody here. So. So he's he's a he's a Debbie value 100, but it was a super late. Uh, and then Corey mentioned Avery Gilbert. Avery Gilbert, who's getting the great news out of Nebraska. We just got to live through that here with Georgia. This is now his third team. He's a big boy now. Uh, was the number one prospect, but it's like, how many hype pieces am I going to keep reading and being lied to before I'm I'm just done? Like, stop lying to me. Yeah, like, let me know how he really is it, doing. It's tough with him. It really is. I just these these spring reports got to transfer to the field at some point. Or, but I just yeah, I still think well, especially we, with with him though, the, the pedigree he has will give yeah. him every last year until he finally goes to the NFL draft. We really will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he looked great that freshman year. I thought he had some yeah. great flashes of brilliance. But that was that was what was that four years ago? We're going on our yeah. fourth year now. Yeah, I actually wrote him up for the Debbie Guide, and I was like pleasantly surprised even remembering looking at him because I went to look back at some of that old LSU film. I went to go look back at his numbers from that year. This guy played in line. This guy played in the slot. This guy played a wide. He graded well as a blocker. He graded well in contested catches. He graded like he was. He had a good miss, um, force miss tackle numbers. Like he had a really good season for LSU. Man, it's like we just. We need to see that come back. There's been off-field problems with him as well. There's been some rumors of of maybe grade problems or maybe just staying on track, work ethic issues. Like I don't, they're all rumors though. I'm not saying any of that is actually who Eric Gilbert is. These are just things that we've heard through the grapevine cracks here and there. All reports are that he looks great right now. The 270 is not an ugly weight. He looks chiseled and he looks like a big physical specimen out there. Matt Rule is talking about having a big role for him coming up this season so i guess we'll see if it can finally all come together for him in this year they're gonna convert him to a lineman yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> at this rate, 270. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think he's that big either. He's 6'5". I think they list him at 6'6", six, six, but he's been 6'5 for like his entire career. So I think he's more okay. around that range. Yeah, NFL NFL combine height, 6'4". Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's really it, guys. That's going to be it for us tonight. Corey, do you have any any uh, last-minute players that you like thought of and you want to talk about? Any more tight ends you want to talk about? No, I think I'm good on that. Yeah, no, just uh, stay away from drafting tight ends in general in your drafts. Yeah, unless, unless you're like, unless you're Chris Moxley, he can draft them. I'm I'm fine with him drafting them. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he like drafted like five tight ends in the program. But anyway, yeah. um, that's it, guys. That wraps up our show for tonight. Uh, again, if you guys want to rate review the shows, uh, we love that here at Campus Akin. Uh, only if it's a five star though. If you if it's less than that, just keep that to yourself. Come back next week. Um. I'm keeping the next week episode of mystery. There's no sneak peek because I'm keeping it a mystery for myself as well. So you can read between the lines yeah, on that one. AKA he doesn't know. <laughs> but we'll, 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 we're going to have another great topic for you guys. That wraps up for us from Corey and from Mike. Good night and good luck. Good luck.